So far in this series, we began to discuss a lot of very important fundamental ideas. We've discussed why Hashem created the world, we've discussed the concept of potential and actualizing potential, and in the past few shirim, we've been discussing the idea of the relationship between the neshama and the body, and how we're supposed to use the body to reflect the spiritual, to reflect the neshama. But throughout the shirim, we've been discussing the idea of the spiritual world. We've been discussing the idea of the spiritual. And when it comes to the spiritual world, there's a fundamental problem. How are we supposed to understand the spiritual world? When it comes to the physical world, it's pretty easy to understand it. You can use your five senses to interact and understand the physical world. You can use your eyes to see it. You can use your ears to hear things. You can use your nose to smell things. You can use your mouth to taste things. You can use your body and your fingers to touch things and to sense things. But how are you supposed to understand the spiritual world if you don't have any spiritual sense to translate it? You don't have a spiritual sense. You can't see the spiritual world. You can't taste it. You can't hear it. You can't smell it. You can't touch it. So how are you supposed to interact with and understand and relate to the spiritual world? The Bali Machshava always talk about the spiritual world, but how are we supposed to understand it if we don't have any way of relating to it? I'll give you an example. Imagine a person has never, ever tasted or even seen chocolate. And you go over to him and you try to explain to him what chocolate tastes like or what chocolate looks like. But he has no reference frame. He has never seen chocolate. He's never tasted it. So there's no way for you to explain to him what it tastes like because he has no reference to it. He has no way of relating to what chocolate would taste like because he's never tasted it himself. You've tasted it so you can understand it, but he has no way of translating the information that you're trying to give him. So when we talk about the spiritual world, how are we supposed to relate to it? How are we supposed to understand that which we can never experience, that which we can never, ever sense? The second question is, what's the connection between the spiritual world and the physical world? We always talk about the spiritual, we always talk about the physical, but what's the connection between these two different concepts, between these two different worlds? The third question is a very, very fundamental question, which is how does misfos work? How do physical actions affect the spiritual world? If you read the Ramchal, he always talks about how your mitzvos affect the spiritual world. When you put on tefillin, when you wear tzitzis, when you make a bracha, when you learn Torah, you're affecting the spiritual world. But how does that make sense? How can your physical action affect a spiritual reality? So those are the introductory questions. Number one is, how are we supposed to relate to a spiritual world if we live in a physical world? Number two is, how are we supposed to understand the connection between the physical and the spiritual world? Number three, how are your physical actions, your physical mitzvahs, supposed to affect the spiritual world? So those are the basic introductory questions. Now the principle that we're about to lay down is absolutely fundamental and it's really, really well developed in the Ramchal's Derech Hashem as well as Nefesh Hachayim. And the principle is as follows. That Hashem created a spiritual world and the physical world is an expression or a projection of that spiritual world. The physical world is an emanation of that spiritual world. So I'll give you the Lush and the Derech Hashem. 
in the Chelek Beis, in Zion, he says, Kol Everything that's in the physical world, everything physical, is rooted and sourced in the spiritual dimension, in the spiritual world. Meaning that everything you see in the physical world is an expression of the spiritual world. So now let me give you a mushal so you can try to understand what this means. Have you ever seen a projector project light or a moving image onto a wall or onto a screen? What you're seeing on the screen is a two-dimensional image. What you're seeing on the screen is a motion picture. But the source of everything you are seeing, the expressed image, is really sourced back to the projector, to the film. And the film is being projected onto that screen. That means the source of everything you're seeing is really sourced back to the film. And the film is really sourced back to where the original video camera videoed the scene. So you might be seeing an expression on the screen, but really what you're seeing is something projected. And you have to source back to the original source if you want to really understand what you're seeing on the screen. So when you see the physical world, you're seeing an expression of what's really rooted in the spiritual world. I'll give you another example. If you look at any person in the world, they are right now simply an expression of what was originally just a simple single zygote, half a male and half a female genetic code. This extremely complex organism with billions of cells was originally a single zygote. If you want to understand the expression of this zygote, you look at the human being. Or if you want to understand the human being, you go back to the zygote. But you need to go back to the root to understand the expression. If you want to understand a human being, go back to the genetics. Look at the genes. The genes codify everything that will be expressed later on. So when you're looking at a physical expression, the human being, you're really seeing what was originally coded in those original genes. That's the depth behind the famous Midrash that when Hashem created the world, it says, Estaklo baraisa baraama. That Akash Baruch Hu looked into the Torah and created the world. The deeper explanation of that means that Hakash Baruch Hu used the Torah itself to create the world. The Torah was the blueprint. And the world is the expression. The Torah is the genetics, the code. And the physical world is an expression of those spiritual truths. Let me try to give you another way of understanding this. The spiritual world is a realm of abstraction, of concepts, of ideas, of that which is completely transcendent. The physical world is an expression of those truths. It's an expression of what was rooted in the spiritual dimension. So I'll give you an example. You can think of it as the steps from abstraction to physical. So for example, in your own inner world, in your own mind, you have thought, which is completely abstract. Then you have speech, which is more concrete. It's concretizing that thought into words which you express, and the most concrete would be action. So in the realm of thought, your ideas are completely abstract, completely transcendent. They're not real, they're not concrete. But in the world of speech, in the realm of speech, you take those abstract ideas and you make them real, you speak them. But the most concrete form of those ideas are when you live them, you act them, you do them. So, for example, I can have a nice thought about doing something good. I can think about giving stuck. I can think about learning. But that's just theoretical. It's abstract. But then I can speak 
about doing good things. I can speak about learning. I can speak about giving tzedakah. And that's more concrete. It shows that the realm of abstraction, the realm of thought became more concretized. But in order to make it real, I need to live it. I need to do it. So I wouldn't only think about giving tzedakah and learning and becoming a better person. I wouldn't only speak about it, but I would actually do it. So that is the hierarchy of abstraction, thought, speech, which is more concretized, and finally action, which is the most concretized. And you experience this in your own life. What you say is really a revelation of what was once inside your thought. And what you do is a revelation of your thought as well. If you raise your hand in the air, you first thought to raise your hand in the air, and then you had that reaction of raising your hand. But it originates in thought. It all originates in thought. And the same is true for the way that Hashem created the world. Hashem originally willed the world into being, I mean, he th- and He thought of creating the world. And the Vilgon explains that the Torah is Hashem's will. So if the world is a projection of the Torah, that means that the world is a projection of Hashem's will. Hashem first willed the world into being, then He, he thought of it. But what is the Lashon of the original creation in the Torah? In Parsha's Spiratius, what does it say? Vayoma Hashem Ihior. Hashem spoke the world into existence. The Ramchal explains in the Klach that Hashem used speech to create the world. Meaning, originally it came up in Hashem's thought. Hashem thought of creating the world and He spoke it into existence. But what's the final step from thought, speech? Then you get the physical world. Thought, speech, action. You get from abstraction to more concrete to absolutely concrete. So we have a physical world. And the physical world is an expression of the spiritual world. Which is why the Ramchal explains that everything that happens in the physical world is an expression of what Hashem is willing to happen in the spiritual world. So the physical world is a projection of this higher source. It's a projection of this spiritual world. But that's why it's so important to understand the limitation of our physical senses. The Kuzari explains in the fourth chilek that we can't see the spiritual world. We can't see the spiritual truth. We can only see the physical surface of things. So we need to use our minds, use our intellect to see past the surface, to get a deeper perception of reality. But how do we do that? Not by going past the physical world, not by simply transcending the physical world, but by using the physical world, by understanding the physical world as a reflection of this higher reality. Meaning the world itself is a muscle for the spiritual world. By understanding the physical world, you can understand the spiritual world. Meaning that if the spiritual world is a world of concepts and ideas and intellect and spirituality, then the physical world is an expression of those truths, and by understanding the physical world, you can understand the spiritual world as well. So if the physical world is a mushal for the spiritual world, then we first need to understand what a mushal really means. What is the purpose of a mushal? When does someone use a mushal? And why does he use a mushal? So let's explain it as follows. When you have something really deep, something profound, something which can't be explained, it's too deep, it's too profound, you can't really find the right words to say it. So what you do is you use a mushal. A mushal is meant to help guide the listener so that he can somehow wrap his mind around this deep idea. 
I'll give you an example. Let's say that the idea is really deep, so the person can't really understand it. It doesn't really fall into place in his mind. So a mushal will help the idea fall in. It'll help guide the listener so he can figure out how to place the idea in his own mind. I'll give you a mushal to explain the mushal. It's almost as if you have a giant bow with a small hole in the middle. And you have this tiny little ball. And you're trying to get the ball to fall into the hole. So you need to guide the ball through the bowl until it eventually falls into the small hole. So the mushal would be the guiding of the person's mind so that it falls in, or it would be like guiding the small ball so it falls into the hole in the ball. Or I'll give you another example. It would be like teaching someone to ride a bike. You can't explain to someone how to ride a bike. You have to guide them and hold them and show them until eventually they learn to ride themselves. So teaching someone a deep idea is kind of guiding them to figure out the idea themselves. It's guiding them until the idea falls into place, until they formulate and develop the idea inside their own mind. Just like teaching a person how to ride a bike. And the brilliance is that when you teach a person how to ride a bike, he, he thinks it's so easy. He thinks it's like the easiest thing to do in the world. Like, how did I know this beforehand? And the same exact thing is true when it comes to deep ideas, that once you understand it, it's as clear as day, and you wonder, how could I not have understood this beforehand? So if the world is a muscle for the spiritual world, that means the physical world is here to guide us and enable us to build a deeper understanding of reality. We can use the, the physical truths, we can use the physical world as mashalim to help us understand deeper truths. Which is why the Ramchal explains in the beginning of Derech Hashem that this world is a projection of the spiritual world and we can use it to understand the spiritual world. Just like we can use the spiritual world to understand the physical world. And this is a much, much deeper understanding, a much deeper perspective of Torumada. That the entire world of science and wisdom of this world is the revelation of deeper truths. And when you understand that the, the Torah, the spiritual world, is the root, the foundation, that Torah is the foundation, and Mada is an expression of that truth, that the world of science and medicine and psychology and philosophy and mathematics, all the truths of this world is an expression of deeper truths, and that when you understand the spiritual wisdom, when you understand the spiritual world, then you can see the world of Mada as an expression of that spiritual wisdom. So the source, the root, is Torah, and the world of Mada is an expression of that root. It's Torah as the foundation, U-Mada, and Mada as an expression of that truth. So now let's take a few minutes to discuss the greatest mashal that Hashem has given us of using the physical to see and experience and interact with the spiritual world. So I think the greatest example is the way that we interact with human beings themselves. Think about it for a moment. The closest people in your life, your family, your loved ones, your friends, have you ever seen them? Have you ever seen a neshama? Have you ever seen a mind or a consciousness? Have you ever seen someone's thoughts? No, you've never seen them. All you've ever seen of them is their face or their body. You know how depressing that is? You've never seen anyone. You've never seen your loved ones. You've never seen your family. All you've seen is their body. But you have experienced them. Almost intuitively. Because when you are interacting with someone, you don't see a face. You don't see flesh. You see them. How? What's the depth of this? 
Because in reality, all you are seeing is the flesh and the face. But they are expressing themselves and interacting with you and relating with you and connecting with you through that physical surface. For example, all you've ever seen of a person is their physical body, their facial expressions, their body language, the things they say, the things they do. You see how they express themselves to you, how they make themselves known to you, and you use that physical expression as a way of connecting and understanding them themselves. So for example, no one has ever seen your thoughts, but they've seen the way you act, they've had conversations with you, so they see how you express yourself to them. In other words, we use our bodies and the physical surface to express ourselves and connect ourselves to someone else. I want you to think for just a moment about what speech is about the depth of speech. Because most people speak their whole lives and they don't realize the extraordinary phenomena that's actually occurring. Right now, I'm speaking to you. But what's actually happening? I have ideas, thoughts in my mind. And I take a deep breath and I take those thoughts, those thoughts that are abstract, that rest inside my mind, and I put them into words. But those words are really just vibrations. Because when I take that deep breath of air and I spit out my words, all I'm really spitting out is vibrations. And the words are within those vibrations. And those vibrations travel through the air, and you happen to be focusing right now on my words. So the words enter into your ears, but those aren't words, they're just vibrations. Your ears translate those vibrations into sounds. They translate the sounds into words, the words into sentences, the sentences into paragraphs. And now you have to break down those words back into the ideas that were originally in my head. And right now, what was once inside my mind, my ideas, my consciousness, my thoughts, are now inside of you. What was once in me is now in you. And all we used was this physical surface of words and vibrations. But we've connected to each other. We've been able to break down the walls and boundaries separating me and you, and suddenly my thoughts are now inside of your mind. How unbelievable is that? But all we're doing is using a physical medium to build that deep connection. We use that physical surface to gain a perception of what's beyond the physical surface. You just see my face, but you see much, much deeper than that surface. And we've discussed the depth of the Hebrew language before, and we can see that depth expressed with this idea as well. The word panim means face, the, the surface, the cover. But pnim, the same word, also means inside. Because a person's face, while being the external part of themselves, is the gateway into the self. When you look at someone's face, you can see who they really are. The face is that gateway to the person themselves. But let's take it a step further. The word ayin means I. The I is the way that you look outside into the world, the way that you see the outside world, the physical world. But the same word ayin is the root of the word mayan, which means a wellspring, a well, which you go deep inside. Because while the eye allows you to see outside of yourself, the eyes are also the way that other people can see inside of you, into that wellspring. 
that they can see into the depths of the person. Many people have trouble making real eye contact because it's very sensual, it's very sensitive, it's very deep and intimate. Because when you look into someone's eyes, you can see them themselves, you can see the soul, you can see who they really are. The eyes are so revealing. So when the eyes allow you to project yourself outside and see outside of yourself, they also allow a person to see inside of you. And that's the real depth of using the physical world to see the spiritual, using the, the outer expression to see the inner. But now we can also understand the treachery of lying. Because when we understand that speech, that, that immensely important medium of connection, of communication, allows me to reveal myself to you so that you know my thoughts, so you know who I am, lying is where you sabotage and corrupt that amazing medium. Where a person expects to hear who you are, expects to hear the truth, expects to hear your thoughts, what's really going on inside of you, and instead, you give him lies. You give him what's not really there. Not the MS. And when the person now thinks he knows you, thinks he knows what was inside of you, he really has something fabricated, something completely false. And that's a corruption, this immensely amazing gift, immensely important gift, of speech, of communication. Lying is a corruption of that tool. But now we can understand the Nefesh Chaim's explanation of the relationship between Hashem and the physical world. Just like you can't see me, you can see my body, but I use my body to express myself to you, Nefesh Chaim explains that Hashem is the Neshama, so to speak, of the physical world. That He uses the physical world to express Himself. And that the physical world, the physical phenomena, the world of nature, is an expression of Hashem. It's how Hashem interacts with us. And that everything that happens in the physical world is really rooted in the spiritual world, is rooted in Hashem's will. And the physical world is the outer expression of that inner truth. Now, these ideas are abstract, and I know that. But these are the tools, the fundamental building blocks of starting to build a deeper perception of reality, a deeper perception of truth. Many people walk their whole lives just seeing the surface, just seeing the physical world. But there are a few who have built a real depth perception, who have built a much deeper perspective of reality. And while everyone else simply sees the surface, they're living in a much higher dimension. They're living in a world of truth. And the question is, how do you build that perspective? So I always like giving the following mashal. Imagine you're sitting in your room at night, the light in your room is on, and you try looking out your window. What do you usually see? If the light is on, you usually see a reflection of yourself. You can't see outside the window because the light is making this reflection where you really are seeing a mirror image of yourself. But if you look very closely, if you focus, you can see past that surface, past that image, through the window. And when you're able to see through that surface, a whole world behind that window opens up. The same thing is true when it comes to the spiritual world. When you're able to focus and to start expanding your mind, expanding your perception, starting to see past the surface, a whole spiritual world opens up. You have to be guided, you have to have the right teachers, you have to have people to guide you on that journey. But a whole deeper reality starts to open up for you. What stops people? Well, think about it. When you're looking through that window, most people see a reflection of themselves and they stop. 
Most people look at the physical world, they see the surface, and they stop. They don't go further. They don't try to source it back to its root. But there's another really important factor. And this is very, very, very much related to the muscle of when you look into the mirror, what do you see? Yourself. The ego. That's what limits it. When all you're able to see is the way that you understand things, the way that you see the world, the way that you understand reality, and you're not willing to see past that surface, you're not willing to look past yourself, you're not willing to negate your ego, and to start realizing that there's so much that you don't know, and there's so much to learn, then it's impossible to expand your mind. For someone who thinks he already knows everything, he can't learn anything new. If someone looks at the physical world and says, there's nothing more. Everything is exactly as I see it. Nothing that I can't understand. Then that's all he will understand. The Ramban explains that the limitation, the, the fault of the philosophers was that they only believed that which they could see, that which they could understand. And the whole essence of deeper wisdom, of spiritual wisdom, is going past the surface. is tapping into something much, much deeper. And that's the depth of using the physical world to understand the spiritual world, seeing the connection between the two. So now let's take a step back and return to one of our original questions. How are we able to affect the spiritual world through physical actions? Almost all of the mitzvahs are physical actions. You put on tefillin, you put on tzitzis, you say a bracha. Those are physical actions. Speech is also physical. We talked about it. Speech is more concrete than thought. Physical actions. So how is a physical action going to affect the spiritual world? But it should start becoming really clear that the way that physical actions affect the spiritual world is that the physical world is connected to the spiritual world. The spiritual world is the source. The physical world emanates from the spiritual world. It's very much connected. You can kind of think of it like this. We are like puppets. But usually... Puppets have these strings connected to their arms, and the person on top is controlling the puppet down below. But when it comes to human beings, Ramchal explains, that our actions affect what's going on in the spiritual world. So instead of the person on top controlling our hands through the strings, our hands are connected to the strings, and through our actions, we are affecting what's going on up there. So we are tugging on and pulling on what's going on in the spiritual world. The principle is like this. A physical action has an effect in the spiritual world. Kind of like playing a piano. Have you ever seen someone play a piano? They don't play music itself. All they do is they press the white keys. Now, if you know how the piano works, the white key doesn't make the music. The white key causes a chain reaction, which causes a vibration, which causes the music to play somewhere else in the piano. All you're doing is that physical action. You're hitting the key, but the note is playing somewhere else. It's that chain reaction. It's like in a car. When you turn the key, you're not turning on the engine. You're turning a key, which is turning something else, which is causing a chain reaction, which eventually causes the engine to turn on. Or when you turn the wheel, you're, you're just turning the steering wheel. You're not turning the wheel itself. But when you turn the steering wheel, it's connected to a bunch of things which eventually cause the wheel to turn so when you do physical actions, when you do mitzvahs, you're creating a ripple effect in the spiritual world. You're connecting yourself to a spiritual world. You're causing a chain reaction in the spiritual world. 
So, so far we've discussed a lot of really abstract and deep ideas. What I've tried to develop today is a basic framework and structure of the connection between the physical world and the spiritual world. But if you think about it, these ideas are very abstract. And if you walk over to someone in the street and you tell them that your actions affect the spiritual world and that you're building your own Haba, if a person isn't religious, he might say to you, that that's very nice, that sounds really nice, but I don't see that. All I see is a physical world. You talk about all these spiritual things, but I've never seen that. All I see is the physical world, right? I can, I can touch this, I can hear that, I can smell this, I can taste that. That's real. But what you're talking about is just theory. It's just abstraction. You don't know if that's true. But I know the physical world is real. So what are you supposed to respond to that type of person? He made a good claim. I mean, listen... The only thing you can really see is the physical world. How are you supposed to really know that maybe the physical world isn't the only thing that's real? Maybe the world you think is real isn't what's actually the real objective reality itself. How are you supposed to... What's the muscle that Hashem has given us to understand that spiritual idea? So have you ever had a dream? Have you ever had a nightmare? Have you ever had a nightmare where you were so terrified, so absolutely mortified, that you really thought you were going to die or something absolutely awful was going to happen? And all of a sudden, right before the most terrible catastrophe was about to occur, you woke up, and you woke up with a sweat, and you were panting, and you're like, oh my gosh, Baruch Hashem, it was only a nightmare. And then you say, oh, it was only a nightmare, now I'm in the real world. Now this is real, this is real. That was just a nightmare, that wasn't real, that was an illusion. That wasn't real. Now, when you were dreaming, when you were having the nightmare, you sure thought it was real. Because if you didn't think it was real, you wouldn't be terrified, you wouldn't be scared. Many people pay money, pay good money, to watch these horror movies, horror films. They like being scared. So if you really thought it was just a film, you thought it was just a nightmare, you wouldn't be scared. But you thought it was real. It felt real. You experienced a nightmare which you mistook as reality. And when you wake up, you say, Oh! That wasn't reality, that was just a nightmare. This is reality. But who says? Who says? How do you know? How do you know this is reality? When you wake up at the end of your life, when you die, it's going to be like waking up from a dream. And you're going to say, Huh, I can't believe I thought that was reality. This is reality. When you wake up at the end of your life, this world is going to be the dream. This world is going to be what you thought was all there was. When you wake up after you die, you're going to realize that this world itself was also like an extended dream. And many people who don't build this depth perception live their whole lives thinking that the physical world, that's all there is. That's all there is. And they wake up at the end of their life saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe that that wasn't really all there was. I can't believe that wasn't really reality. I can't believe this was just a phase. But people who spend their lives building a depth perception, building a deeper perspective of reality, when they die, they're not surprised. When they die, they simply experience the world they've been building and thinking about and developing their entire lives. Now we need to be very careful. This world is not meaningless. This world is not just a dream. But we have to create a hierarchy of Ikra and Tafel. We have to realize what we're building towards. We have to realize that the physical world is not reality itself, that there's a much higher dimension of reality. 
and that throughout the upcoming shiur, we're going to be delving deeper and deeper and deeper into these ideas. But we have to start to be really cognizant and really aware that there's so much more beneath the surface, that there's so much depth behind and beneath the physical dimension.